So, Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 1, Text 3. Nigama, Kalpa, Karor, Galitam, Falam, Shuka, Mukha, Amrita, Drava, Sangyutaha, Sangyutam, Sangyutam, Pivata, Bhagavatam, Rasam, Alayam, Muhur, Aho, Rashika, Bhuvi, Bhavukaha, Nigama Kalpa Taror Galitam Palam, Shukamuhad, Shukamukaram Ritta Drava Samyutaham, Pivata Bhagavatam Rasam Alayam, Ahorasika buvi bavuka, Nigama kalpataro galitam palam, Shukamuhad, Shukamukaram ritta drava samyutam, Pibita bhagavatam rasam alayam, Rashika Bhuvi Bhavukaha Nigama Kalpataro Galitam Palam Shukamukhadam Ritta Drava Samyutaham Ibata Bhagavatam Rasam Alayam Shikabu Vibhavukaha Almost always, uh, S is almost always pronounced with, with like SH. So it doesn't have any marks on okay. Yeah, even, it doesn't have any marks on it. Oh. But you can, uh, you can still, you can still almost always it's with an SH. If it's got a dot, then it's more pronounced. Okay. <laughs>
Dev Goswami, the original speaker of Srimad Bhagavatam, Mukat, from the lips of Amrita, nectar, Drava, semi salad, and soft, and therefore easily swallowable. Samyutam, perfect in all respects. Pibata, to relish it. Bhagavatam, the book detailing, excuse me, the book dealing in the science of the eternal relationship with the Lord. Rasam, juice, which is relishable. Alayam, until liberation, or even in a liberated condition. Muhu, always. Aho, O. Rashikaha, those who are full in the knowledge of mellows. Bhuvi, on the earth. Babu Kaha, expert and thoughtful. Translation. O expert and thoughtful men, relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It is it emanated from the lips of Sri Shukadev Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful, although its nectarian juice was already already relishable for all, including liberated souls. So, uh, I say, and you repeat, O oh, expert and thoughtful men, <coughs> relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Sri Sukadev Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful. Although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, 
including liberated souls. Including liberated souls. In the two previous shlokas, it has been definitely proved that the Srimad Bhagavatam is the sublime literature which surpasses all other Vedic scriptures due to its transcendental qualities. It is transcendental to all mundane activities and mundane knowledge. In this shloka, it is stated that Srimad Bhagavatam is not only a superior literature, but it is the ripened fruit of all Vedic literatures. In other words, it is the cream of all Vedic knowledge. Considering all this, patient and submissive hearing is definitely essential. With great respect and attention, one should receive the message and lessons imparted by the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Vedas are compared to the desire tree because they contain all things knowable by man. They deal with mundane necessities as well as spiritual realization. The Vedas contain regulated principles of knowledge covering social, political, religious, economic, military, medicinal, chemical, physical, and metaphysical subject matter and all the way that all that may be necessary to keep the body and soul together. Above and beyond all this are specific directions for spiritual realization. Regulated knowledge involves a gradual raising of the living entity to the, plat- to the spiritual platform. And the highest spiritual realization is knowledge that the personality of Godhead is the reservoir of all spiritual tastes or rasas. <clears throat> Every living entity, beginning from Brahma, the first born living being within the material world, down to the insignificant ant, desires to relish some sort of taste derived from sense perceptions. These sensual pleasures are technically called rasas. Such rasas are of different varieties. (coughs) In the revealed scriptures, the following 12 varieties of rasas are enumerated. Rodra, uh, Rodra, anger, Adbuta, wonder, Sringara, conjugal love, Hasya, comedy, Vira, chivalry, Daya, mercy, Dasya, servitorship, Shakya, fraternity, Brayanaka, Brayanaka, horror, Vibhatsa, shock, Santa, neutrality, and Vatsalya, parenthood. The sum total of all these rasas is called affection or love. Primarily, such signs of love are manifested in adoration, service, friendship, paternal affection, and conjugal love. And when these five are absent, love is present indirectly in anger, wonder, comedy, chivalry, fear, shock, and so on. For example, when a man is in love with a woman, the rasa is called conjugal love. <clears throat> but when such love affairs are disturbed, there may be wonder, anger, shock, or even horror. Sometimes love affairs between two persons culminate in ghastly murder scenes. Such rasas are displayed between man and man and between animal and animal. There is no possibility of an exchange or rasa between a man and an animal, or between a man and all other species of living beings within the material world. 
Interesting statement, isn't it? I'll read that again. There is no possibility of an exchange or rust between a man and an animal or between a man and any other species of living beings within the material world. The rasas are exchanged between members of the same species, but as far as the spirit souls are concerned, they are one qualitatively with the Supreme Lord. Therefore, the rasas are originally exchanged between the spiritual living being and the spiritual whole, the supreme personality of Godhead. The spiritual exchange or ras is full, fully exhibited in spiritual existence between living beings and the Supreme Lord. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is therefore described in the Sriti Mantras, Vedic hymns, as the fountainhead of all rasas. When one associates with the Supreme Lord and exchanges one's constitutional ras with the Lord, then the living being is actually happy. These Sruti mantras indicate that every living being has its constitutional position, which is empowered with a particular type of ras to be exchanged with the personality of Godhead. In the liberated condition only, this primary ras is experienced in full. In the material existence, the ras is experienced in the perverted form, which is temporary, and thus the ras of the material world are exhibited, <coughs> exhibited in, the, in the material form of rodra, anger, and so on. Therefore, one who attains full knowledge of these different rasas, which are the basic principles of activities, can understand the false representations of the original rasas, which are reflected in the material world. The learned scholar seeks to relish the real ras in the spiritual form. In the beginning, he desires to become one with the Supreme. Thus, less intelligent <coughs> transcendentalists cannot go beyond this conception of becoming one with the spirit whole without knowing the different rasas. In this shloka, it is definitely stated that spiritual rasa, uh, which is relished even in the liberated stage, can be experienced in the literature of the Srimad Bhagavatam due to its being the ripened fruit of all Vedic knowledge. By submissively hearing this transcendental literature, one can attain the full pleasure of his heart's desire. But one must be very careful to hear the message from the right source. Srimad Bhagavatam is exactly received from the right uh, is exactly received from the right source. <coughs> it was brought by Nard Muni from the spiritual world and given to his disciple Sri Vyasadeva. Uh, the later, in turn, delivered this message to his son Srila Sukadev Goswami and Srila Sukadev Goswami delivered the message to Maharaj Parikshit just seven days before the king's death. Srila Sukadev Goswami was a liberated soul from his very birth. He was liberated even in the womb of his mother, and he did not undergo any sort of spiritual training after his birth. At birth, no one is qualified, neither in the mundane nor the spiritual sense. But Sri, Sri Sukadev Goswami, due to his being a perfectly liberated soul, did not have to undergo an evolutionary process for spiritual realization. 
Yet despite his being a completely liberated person, situated in the transcendental position above the three material modes, he was attracted to this transcendental ras of the supreme personality of Godhead, who is adored by liberated souls who sing Vedic hymns. The Supreme Lord's pastimes are more attractive to liberated souls than to mundane people. He is of, he is of necessity, not impersonal, because it is only possible to carry on transcendental ras with a person. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, the transcendental pastimes of the Lord are narrated, and the narration is systematically depicted by Srila Sukadeva Goswami. Thus the subject matter is appealing to all classes of persons, including those who seek liberation and those who seek to become one with the Supreme Whole. In Sanskrit, the parrot is known as Sukha. When a ripened fruit is cut by the red beaks of such birds, its sweet flavor is enhanced. The, Ve the Vedic fruit, which is the mature and ripe, uh, which is mature and ripe in knowledge, is spoken through the lips of Shukadeva Goswami, who is compared to the parrot not for his ability to recite Srimad Bhagavatam exactly as it is heard, uh, as he heard it from his learned father, <clears throat> but for his ability to present the work in a manner that would appeal to all classes of men. The subject matter is so presented through the lips of Srila Sukadeva Goswami that any sincere listener that hears submissively can at once relish transcendental tastes which are distinct from the perverted taste of the material world. The ripened fruit is not dropped, uh, is not dropped all of a sudden from the highest planet of Krishnaloka. Rather, it has come down carefully through the trip through the chain of disciplic succession without change or disturbance. Foolish people who are not in the transcendental disciplic succession commit great blunders by trying to understand the highest transcendental ras known as the Ras dance, <coughs> without even following in the footsteps of, Shik of Sukadeva Goswami. <coughs> Who presents this Vedic, this, this fruit very carefully by stages of transcendental realization. One should be intelligent enough to know the position of Srimad Bhagavatam by considering personalities like Sukadeva Goswami, who deals with the subject so carefully. This process of disciplic succession of the Bhagavat school suggests that in the future also Srimad Bhagavatam has to be understood from a person who is factually a representative of Srila Sukadeva Goswami. A professional man who makes a business out of reciting the Bhagavatam illegally uh, is certainly not a representative of Sukadeva Goswami. Such a man's business is only to earn his livelihood. Therefore, one should refrain from hearing the lectures of such professional men. Such men usually go to the most confidential part of the literature without undergoing the gradual process of understanding this grave subject. They usually plunge into the subject matter of the Rasa dance, which is misunderstood by the foolish class of men. 
Some of them take to this in uh, some of them take this to be immoral, while others try to cover it up by their own stupid interpretations. <laughs> they have no desire to follow in the footsteps of uh, footsteps of Srila Sukadeva Goswami. One should conclude, therefore, that the serious student of the Ras should be re- should receive the message of Bhagavatam in the chain of disciplic succession from Srila Sukadeva Goswami, who describes the Bhagavatam from its very beginning and not whimsically to satisfy the, mun- the, mun- the mundaner who has very little knowledge in transcendental science. Srimad Bhagavatam is so carefully presented that a sincere and serious person can at once enjoy the ripened fruit of Vedic knowledge simply by drinking the nectarian juice through the mouth of Sukadev Goswami or his bona fide representative. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master opened my darkened eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. So, once again, that verse. O expert and thoughtful men, relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Sri Sukadev Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful, although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, including liberated souls. So, we've got uh, a lot of subject matter to, t- to talk about. Where would you like to start? <laughs> we could discuss, there's so much, we'll never discuss it all in one class, so. Uh, yes? Can you explain where Shukadeva fits in Pacific succession? Where he fits in? I don't remember exactly. Some, somewhere way way back. Dasarath Prabhu, do you remember? Uh, well, it's not in that line that we have in the Bhagavad Gita. No, but it's, there, yeah, it's somewhere uh, I don't remember. I knew it at one time, but I just don't remember. Sorry, you lose on that. <laughs> what was what was Sukadev's Goswami's relation to Vyasa? It was his son. Okay. Who was the one? We can't have a relationship with other living entities or Vyasa's with other living entities. Yeah, uh, and that's, <clears throat> that's an area that is kind of uh, touchy to talk about in this part of the world in, in this particular time. Um, people feel that they can have a Ras with with animals they, they're convinced they're positive that they can you know uh, uh, just because your your dog may become attached to you because you feed him and you scratch him you're satisfying the senses you know you're, when you scratch a dog he just starts to oh, he just loves it oh you're giving him great sense uh, uh, gratification now we may think that oh because of this he loves me so much um, I'm not thinking that his sense of feel, his sense of touch, 
is much higher developed than a human being's. His senses are far better. He can see better, hear better, smell better, taste better, feel better. The animals have, most, most animals uh, have far developed senses than, uh, than we do. Like a, a snake can see you at night, you know, but he can see the heat, you know. He can see the infrared. Is it infrared? What is that? You know, he can tell heat. He can tell these a 98.6 uh, degree body from a different body. So he knows when he's found a mammal or whatever, even at night, you see. <clears throat> so because the dog has a highly developed sense, we touch him and we think, look, he likes me. Well, he would like you too if you, if you scratched him, you know. Um, and if you feed him, he likes you a whole lot. And uh, so... Uh, but you're, it's just a, a sense gratification. Now, he's a little bit more attracted to you than uh, roaming around in the wilds looking for rabbits and rats and whatever he's looking for. Uh, then, uh, uh, because you, it's, you've got a, re a steady flow of, uh, of food, you're feeding him on a regular basis. Not only that, but, I mean, let's look at it in reality. In reality, you've taken the dog prisoner. I mean, let's, you know, people don't see it like that, but it's true. You've taken the dog prisoner. He's become your prisoner. Why is that? Because he can't leave. He can't, if he says, hey, look, you know, see ya, I'm going to take off and I think I'm going to go to Phoenix and check things out. Well, no, you can't leave. I'm not going to let you out the house. You know, in America, you can't leave the house. You know, and if I let you out of the house, you're not getting out of the yard. But basically, you're not getting out of my house. Well, the dog knows this, and he lives with this. He, but he knows there's an outside world, but he also knows I'm your prisoner, and, and you're my only source of, of food, of, of gratification. You know, you give me water, you give me food, you scratch me, and, you know, I mean, I don't have... I'm here in this house with you, you know, so he makes peace with it. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not mean to him, and you're buying him all kinds of things which he doesn't understand. You can get him a, a, a coat, and he doesn't care for a coat, you know. So we, we do things. We impose our own thoughts or our own... We're having a rust with the dog. We think we are, but it's not... He's not having one with us. It's not a, a reciprocal thing. And then we start to uh, think of the dog as like, uh, we, we try to put hum humanoid characteristics in the dog. See, it's, it's just a movie in our mind. We believe it, you see. But uh, he's really just a dog. He doesn't have the mental capacity to understand or to share a loving Ross like we do. Although dog owners would say, well, you're crazy. Okay, how dare you say that? My dog loves me, you see. So we, we try to impart uh, humanoid uh, needs and desires on the animal. Uh, I was out shopping the other day here in, in Tucson, and there's this uh, store, uh, a pet store. I don't know the name of it. But it had this big banner on the side that said, uh, uh, Natural Pet Food. And I'm thinking, natural pet food. What's natural food for a dog? Rats, 
rabbits, you know, whatever they can find, garbage. You know, you can see dogs eating and living naturally in India, isn't it? <laughs> More natural. More natural. <laughs> and uh, although they often have, it's not uncommon for them to have some sort of a, like a mange or something, you know. They, they, I don't know. But, but, so they do seem to have problems with their skin, but they really look fit, don't they? They're fit and trim. Boy, they're, you see. But uh, their health seems to be uh, pretty good. They're athletic looking, and you know they're not fat. And uh, I mean, they move around really, really well. I was walking through the forest behind uh, Mayapur, and uh, there's different little trips I like to take on Joppa Walk in Mayapur. And through the forest is one of them. So I'm walking through the forest and. Uh, I'm going back to the temple, so it's kind of remote. I was way out by myself. And I see this dog running at me, and he's like, you know, have you ever seen a dog when they run really, really hard? They get down about this high off the ground, and boy, they're just, oh, it's full speed. He could not run any harder. And he went by me like, zoom! And I'm thinking, wow. Then I thought, something must be chasing him. And then I looked, and here comes a pack of jackals. Uh, they call them jackals here, but they're called jackal in, the, uh, in Mayapur. Uh, so here they are. They're dog-like creatures, and they wanted to eat this, this dog, you know. And they're running about 100 miles an hour, too. They saw me, and they put on the brakes and slid about 12 feet and looked at me like, you know. Then they thought, oh, you, you cost us a meal just because you were here, and they turn around and and took off. So I remember I grabbed a picture of them just before they left, you know. So, so uh, what's natural food for a jackal? Dogs. <laughs> Whatever they can catch, you see. They go out and they, they scavenge and they catch things. So, uh, uh, basically, if we leave the animals alone, they do very well except for one animal. There's only one animal that depends on a human being. Do you know what that is? Cow. Cow. Cows can't make it without human beings. They can't do it. You ever heard of a wild cow? There's no such thing. There's wild horses, wild dogs. There's no wild. There's no wild cows. They can't make it. They depend to, completely on human beings. There's no other animal that has to have a human being. Uh, all the rest of them, they can go off. If you give them an unspoiled land, they can go off, live in the forest. They'll flourish, and they'll do very well. Cows, they won't make it. They gotta have it. They have to have a human being. So there's some design there. We can tell this is this isn't something that we've manufactured, you know. So. I mean, we get horses, uh, we used to get horses from catching wild ones and taming them and breeding them, you see. But we don't, we never got cows. There was never a time when the cows were just, you know, you don't go out and find a herd of wild cows and catch one and, you know, tame it and breed it, you know, it's not like that. So, uh, notice that uh, we're addressing... Uh, Expert and thoughtful men. Expert and thoughtful men relished Srimad Bhagavatam. 
So uh, this isn't for everybody, you see. Now, it could be if we're preaching to someone and they have a change of heart. They could have a change of heart and soften. But typically, the people that we're going to preach Srimad Bhagavatam to, they're not expert and thoughtful men. And they don't really care. Typically, people are not really that interested Some, you know, if, we're, if we preach to them. Sometimes even we notice that people come to the temple here, and they're not that interested in going very far. It's like I found it interesting. We were talking about uh, some people who came here, a couple of ladies, and uh, for Sunday feast, and uh, about halfway through, they what was it? They said, "Oh my God!" <laughs> you know, they see what's going on, and they realize, "Whoa, this is like way too much." Like Mother Sandamani was saying, they're probably thinking that we're going to be sitting around, you know, oh, you know, sitting still and in the lotus position and chanting Om, and that's it's going to be like. Like they, <clears throat> like they see uh, Buddhist temples and movies and things, you know, they, they think, oh, let's go check this out. Be... Instead, we're dancing around like a bunch of mad people, you know, chanting Hare Krishna, and <laughs> beating brum, drums and banging cymbals and, you know, <clears throat> dancing and smiling. And it was just more than, than they were uh, looking for. So... Uh, what do we do? Do we tone it down? No. Well, we, we're looking for people who can be expert and thoughtful. Now, they can be if they have a change of heart. All of us did it. We had a change of heart. <clears throat> we wouldn't be here if we hadn't had a change of heart. But at one time, we weren't expert and thoughtful. We weren't. You see, we were a little more like the dog. We were just looking for sense gratification. You know, taste, sight, sound, feel, you know, that's, that was us. That's what we were looking at. That was our motivation. Uh, we didn't really have so much. Maybe we had a little bit of curiosity about spiritual life, but not, you know, it wasn't like a, an a overwhelming drive that we had. Now, some people do. I mean, I think, you know, there are some people who are born and they have this overwhelming drive to find out who is God, you know, but... Typically, that's not all of us, you know. Uh, I was curious, but I was really interested in how to uh, satisfy my senses. Uh, but then I read the Bhagavad Gita, and uh, I started thinking, this is all foolishness. My, everything I've thought up until this point has just been foolishness, you know. And as the years go by, you start to realize every thought I've ever had up until coming in contact with Srila Prabhupada and his devotees was just rubbish, foolishness. It was a waste of brain power. It didn't do me any good at all. You know, it didn't do any, except maybe feeding me and staying alive and whatever. But all the ideas and the concepts and the things that I've done and the desires I've had, you know, were useless. What if you were developing skills that you can now use for Christmas? <coughs> Then they become useful. Then they become useful. If you're developing skills, uh, like if you were a trained architect, and then uh, uh, like Sarabhi Maharaj, he was, he was a trained architect when he became a uh, devotee. And he was used 
by Krishna, by Srila Prabhupada, to design so much. He designed Krishna Balaram Temple. He designed uh, the Dallas Temple. He designed so much, you know. So he was able to use this uh, in the service of Guru and Krishna. But what if he hadn't? Then it would have been rubbish. So I can make a building. Yeah, I can make a building. And I can make a, a, a more interesting building than you can make. You know, you make a building and I make one that looks even more functional and, and useful. But then if I, if I design a temple for the uh, uh, pleasure of the Supreme Lord and his pure devotee, now it's perfect, you see. So there are some, that, some things that we can, we can do. And then, uh, actually, that's a really good point because <clears throat> we find that some of the things that we have, some of the things that we bring to the movement were actually placed there to give us an opportunity. They're placed there by Krishna to give us an opportunity to use them in his service. You see, if we so choose. It's just like... Uh, there are many musicians that joined back in the 70s. I know a lot of uh, musicians. Do you remember Uttama Shloka? You know, very accomplished musician. Uh, rock, rocker, you know. Uh, so, uh, when he got into Krishna consciousness, he became a very expert kirtan leader. You know, he was an expert. He was fabulous. Incredible the way he played the drum saying, you know, he was so into it. And he realized that, that uh, this uh, that music up until the time he became a devotee was like his purpose for, for being alive. It was his purpose for being here. And then uh, when he met the devotees, he started to use this talent, you know, and his attraction to music for, uh, for Krishna, for satisfaction of Guru and Krishna. So... Then he felt like his life was perfect, you know. Wow. I, I can do what I've always loved to do, and God has given me some talent, and now I can use it to, to serve him. That's, that's really first class, you see. It's really sweet if we can uh, make an arrangement like that, you see. Now, it could be just about anything. You know, it could be maybe you're a good accountant. Maybe you're a good organizer. Maybe you're a good manager, you see. You have these talents. And now, it, but it, 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 it becomes, it's a ripened fruit when you start to use it in the service of Guru and Krishna, you see. Other than that, it's mundane. It's mundane. You know, it's like having uh, uh, one of these phones that'll do everything. They're making phones now that'll do, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, cook uh, prasadam, they'll make, they'll lead kirtan, you know, they'll do everything. <clears throat> so, if, uh, if you can use these phones in your service, if they can assist you, that not that you change your service so that the, you can utilize the phone in this service, but if, you're ha if you have a service and the phone can assist you in the, all the things that they can do now, then it becomes Krishnaized. It's like Prabhupada says, this microphone is uh, is just mundane, but now that it, uh, now that I'm using it, it becomes Krishnaized. You see, so uh, when we use anything in Krishna's service, it becomes transformed into spiritual. You see, 
So uh, if we have some mundane capability and we can use that in the service of Krishna, then that's, that's very good, you see. Does it transform back if we start using it for mundane things? Yeah, yeah. And I've seen that happen. As a matter of fact, it happened to Uttama Shloka. <laughs> Although he's come back, you know, but he had some, some you know. So, yeah. If you, if you, if you get, um, if you treat it like a, like material, if you use it for mundane things, it'll, it'll lead you down the mundane path. If you use it for spiritual things, it'll lead you down the spiritual path. It happens like that. So, um, whatever we can. But that doesn't mean that if we have some uh, propensity that I like to do, that I try to find a way to use my propensity in, in serving Krishna. Now think about that. In other words, do I want to serve Krishna the way I want to serve Krishna, or do I want to serve, serve Krishna the way my guru or Krishna direct me? In other words, if I want to serve, if I want to serve you somehow, is it, are you, is it palatable to you if I serve you the way I want you to be served? Or if I serve you the way you want to be served? If you hire a servant, you know, to take care of your house, and you want your pots and pans in this cup, cupboard and the cups and glasses over here, but they say, no, 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 I, I want it this way, and, and I'm going to make your bed a certain way, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your shirts over there and your pants over here. You know, see, or they're going to do it the way they want to do it. Well, you know, you're, you're thinking... Well, wait a minute, I'm the served and you're the servant. And why are you telling me how I'm going to be served? But I'm really good at this. You know, you hire uh, a cook in the restaurant and uh, they want to cook uh, a certain way. We say, no, that's not the way we cook here. We don't do it that way. They say, no, that's what, that's what I want to do. That's what I wanted to do all my life is to cook this way. I want to cook... Uh, <coughs> Czechoslovakian style food. And so, well, we don't serve that here. But that's what I want to offer. I'm good at it and I like it. I like doing it. And I'm expert. I've got great training at it. I have a degree. Yes, but that's not what we want. You see what I mean? So we approach Krishna and say, my dear Lord, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? And if the temple president says, hey, well, I want you to, uh, you know, we need to build this, this structure over here. And you say, wow, that's amazing. I happen to know carpentry. I know this, you know. Well, we need to fix a, a you know, a, a clogged drain. Hey, look, I know, I know plumbing. I can do this. I mean, wow, look, I can use my propensity to serve Krishna. Now, it's okay if you say, well, this is, a, this is what I want to do. I'm a musician, and I want to do musical whatever. For, or I'm a, I'm a this, or I have this training, or I, this is what I want to do it, it, for Krishna. That's, that's kind of okay. But is it first class? First class is when we say, you know, what do you want me to do, Krishna? My dear Guru, please, please instruct me. Now I'm a soul surrendered unto you. You know? 
So it's miserly weakness if we say, well, I can't do it. I can't do what you say because I don't have the training or the desire. I don't really like doing this kind of stuff. I want to do what I like to do. You see? I remember a conversation I had with Tamal Krishna Maharaj one time. I was taking him someplace. Uh, I don't remember, but I remember he was telling me that uh, he was, when he became a devotee, he was an accomplished flautist. He played the flute. San Francisco and that hip crowd out there and it was known. I mean, you know, he could have been a professional. He was top dog in the uh, playing flute. You know. But when, we, when he became a devotee, uh, he said, I dropped it right away. Put it away, never haven't touched it since. And I said, why is that? He said, you can't chant and play a flute at the same time. <laughs> so I couldn't see any way to use it in devotional service. Now I think it's possible that you can, you know, you can use a flute, you know. And when I was in Budapest, uh, the Hungarian devotees used a lot of uh, musical instruments in kirtan, you know. It's really transcendental. They used bass guitars and electric violins and all kinds of far out. It's pretty. You heard some of that stuff that Shiva Ram Maharaj produces. It's, it's amazing, you know. So I think you can use it for Krishna's service, but he decided, you know, no, put it away. So from the time from 1968, uh, for the rest of his life, he never touched a flute. But he was one of the best, you see. So, uh, but he couldn't see how he could use it in Krishna's service. So he had no desire. You know, he wasn't trying to push that on Prabhupada. Hey Prabhupada, I play the flute. I play the flute. You know. It was like, what would you like? You know, there was no there was a bigger need to distribute books and to make devotees and play the flute. <coughs> so so we, <coughs> we try to see like that. <coughs> now, as I said, if we, if we come and say, well, I can do this very well, I want to do this for Krishna, that's very nice. That's okay. But it's even better when we're serving someone to find out what they want. The most, the most flattering thing is to calculate the best service. Uh, Srila Prabhupada liked uh, Shruti Kirti's uh, as a, he had many servants. And also, um, uh, oh, what's his name? I can't, I'm, I'm losing. The Prabhupada. Hari Sari. Those two, as his personal servants, were very, very good. He liked it. Because they anticipated his needs. He didn't have to say, close those blinds. The, the sun is a little too bright. And they would get up. He didn't have to say that. That's very nice if I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm saying, could you close those blinds? And you do it. That's nice. First class is when you notice that they would notice Prabhupada squinting, you know. And they could calculate. He's got sun in his eye. They would close the blinds. You see. Prabhupada would go, <coughs> they would get him water. You see. 
I mean, he didn't have to insinuate. He didn't have to go out of his way to say, to direct. He didn't have to manage from the Vyasasan, as Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, I don't want to manage from the Vyasasan. In other words, if you want to be my servant, then think. So to anticipate the needs is far more flattering than to answer the request. Although answering the request is very nice. But to be there before the request comes is far better, you see. So, uh, they could tell when Prabhupada needed his chatter. If I'm feeling a little bit of a breeze, Prabhupada probably is, so they would get his chatter, you see. Very, so, there's a difference in the level of our service. It's very nice if someone instructs you do like this, and you say, okay, yes, very good. that's very nice. But we want to advance to the point that we figure out the mentality of the guru, figure out the mentality of Lord Chaitanya, figure out the mentality of Lord Krishna, and anticipate, you know. We want to anticipate. The Lord wants to have this rust with us. He wants to have this exchange. So it's up to us you know, to deliver the level of, of, of service that we want to. We may want to be okay. Or we may want to be first class. You know, If I love you enough, then me just being okay in our relationship is not enough for me, you see. I want, I want a deeper taste, you see. I, I want... Uh, when there's a, a loving rasa, I want you to taste my love for you. You see? And it's not okay for me to say, look, I mean, you ought to know I love you. No, you, it should be proven to you. You see, you should taste it. So if it's deep enough, we want to, we get caught up in how can I, how can I please, how can I serve? You know, how can I make you happy? And then we start to anticipate. You know, so that's that's very nice. Are there are any more questions? Yes. I have a question about this term <coughs> rasa. So we're describing that there can't be a rasa between two different species because it's basically this material sensual platform. Yeah. So does that mean this term rasa is more of a spiritual I mean spiritual relationship? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So if if we try to apply it, you know, to a man and a woman, you kind of have just a physical relationship. Is that they're basically a, it's an animal relationship? It's an animal. So, yeah. Is that not that's not rasa? That's no. just sense gratification. Yeah. yeah. Rasa uh, originally is is it, it means there actually there's no uh, English translation for it, but the closest we can come is a mellow or a loving exchange. A loving, a sweet moment, a sweet exchange, you know. And uh, originally, it's a loving exchange when it's spiritual on the spiritual platform. And as it, and it says in this uh, uh, in this purport, when it's interfered with by uh, material things, then other things, other types of uh, rasa, can uh, manifest like. Horror, anger, fear, you see. They're all related, 
but they're kind of like mutations of love. In the material, when when we when it come when love comes in contact with the material energy, when it comes in contact with the modes of passion and ignorance, then it starts to mutate and it can turn. Just like it's said here that there's some, sometimes it starts out a love affair and ends up a murderous murderous scene. You know, how dare you treat me that way? Bang. You know. And I'm doing this because I love you. Bow. I'm not going to let anybody else love you. Bang. You know. <laughs> you know, so it, 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 it's perverted in the material sense. But uh, and if, if what we want to do to taste love is we have to come, become spiritualized. You see? Uh, which means... Becoming spiritualized means as to the degree that you become spiritualized, you're also to that same degree becoming unmaterialized. You see, it's replacing it. You know, it's just like as you pour water out of a glass, air is going in behind the water and replacing it, see. So uh, it works that way. Something is... So as you become more and more spiritualized, you're becoming less and less materialized. As you become more and more materialized, you're becoming less and less spiritualized. You can't mix them. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. So as you pursue one, you're leaving the other. As you become one, you're not, you're unbecoming the other, you see. So, that's why the devotees, sometimes devotees want to know, why can't we do a little bit of this material? and Why can't I have a little bit of this material enjoyment? And, you know, well, because whatever material you put into your life, you have to take out some spiritual energy, you see. It has to be replaced. You know, I, I let a little bit in, well, I'm letting a little bit of spiritual out, you see. Because devotees wonder, well, sometimes why is it? Why do I feel like I'm on a merry-go-round? Or I'm not a merry go but a, a, a roller coaster. My spiritual life is going up and down. You know, sometimes I'm feeling really ecstatic, Haribo, and other times I don't. You know, I'm just not so much, and I'm trying. I, I want to get that moment back. You know, and if we examine our activities and maybe even our our, our Maybe it's just happening in our head, but maybe it's generally our activities. Uh, we start, we, we, we feel nectar and bliss, you know. Oh, wow. I just had a, a, a spiritual moment, you know. Oh, you know, you felt them. We've all felt them. And then you go do something nonsense. So, and you're thinking, Oh wow! You know, I was feeling feeling pretty spiritual a few days ago. Well, what 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 happened to that? You know, she was. You see, well, I I watered it down. You see, I pushed out some of the spiritual and let in some of the material. So, our biggest problem is that we're not fully convinced. I'm not fully convinced. So therefore, I've got to keep my material stuff here. There's some material stuff just got to have, and it's really neat, you know. I mean, it's maybe it's bogus and it's weird, and I'll keep it, you know, on the low key. But I've got to have it in my life, you know, whatever it may be. You know, with some people, it's uh, sports, 
you know. They just they have to help. They have to follow sports or whatever it might be. And I remember for many years uh, back in the 70s uh, when somebody would become a devotee, they were uh, they had been hippies up until then, and they just couldn't let go of rock and roll music, you know. So they'd get off by themselves. They'd be in a Sankerton van going from one place to another, and they'd have Janis Joplin or somebody on a recorder. Or on, they'd, they'd uh, get off in a Sankerton van and turn on the radio and look, try to find, oh, yeah, this is Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, you, know. you see, there was this attachment like that to, this, to the material. So, and it, uh, it has a tendency to trip you up because it occupies space that you should be using for spiritual, you know. I mean, and it's not that you're bad. I'm not saying if you're doing that, then you're, you're just a you know, rotten devotee and you need to go away. Uh, that's natural. That's natural. As we become more and more convinced, uh, uh, it's just like Dhruva um, Maharaj. You know, he wanted wealth. He wanted wealth and uh, riches. So, but once he came in contact with Krishna, he thought that all these jewels and things that I wanted, rubies and diamonds and emeralds, now they all look like pieces of broken glass. You look at it and you think, yeah. You know, I used to be attracted to rock and roll music, but I, I go into stores now and they're playing it and I'm thinking, you know, I could have gone all day without that. I don't really need that junk. As a matter of fact, I don't like it because what's going to happen, sometimes I'll find myself going into a store, and this has probably happened to you. You know, here you, 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 you pull up to the store, right? Let's say Walmart or whatever. And uh, either in your mind or you, maybe you've got a, 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 a recording of some nice character. And here you are. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. You know, so here you are walking across the parking lot and it's going in your head, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. So you go in the store and here they're playing some kind of a nonsense something, you know. And then uh, when you walk out and get in the car, is the kirtan in your head? No, it's the nonsense that was playing in the store. It's, it's in your head and you're thinking, now it's going to take me all day to get this out of my head, you know. You ever have that? You get these tunes in your head. It's hard. The only way you can do it is to get into in the kirtan. <laughs> you got to replace it. You know, put in the kirtan, force out the nonsense. Because what happens? Nonsense came in, forced out the kirtan. You know. So, uh, but if we persevere. This uh, attraction to the mundane, it fades. And it goes away. Yeah. So where does guru-disciple relationship fall in this, these classifications of rasa that we have? Like where does guru-disciple relationship fall Dasya. Dasya. Servitorship. Yeah. With a guru, uh, it's like... Uh, with the guru, we're going to be close and loving, but we have to add, keep the element of a little bit, at least, of on reverence. You see, uh, Krishna is not attracted to on reverence. The guru doesn't want on reverence, but it's his duty. You know, it's to have that exchange. You see, no matter how close Prabhupada got with his servants, his close aides, they still saw him as guru. 
you know. So that's natural. You'll never see your guru as, <laughs> he's just a good old buddy, you know. You know, you're not going to see your guru say, yo, bro, what up? You know, it's not like that. You don't get that. You, know, you may get very close with the, with the guru. You may be serving him elbow to elbow every day. And, uh, uh, but there's going to be that element of, of awe and reverence, which we need to help us, help train us, you see, to have the respect, to follow the guru in, in dasya, servitorship. That's the rasa that we're having with guru as, as servant. Now, even it may become, we realize he's our best friend, he's our dearmost friend and ever well-wisher. So we'll have that uh, best friend relationship with an element, uh, you know, with, a, with a, at least a dash of awe and reverence, you know. Enough to keep us from thinking, eh, he's my, he's my bro, yeah, we're on the same level, you see. All right, we should probably wrap it up. She's, you know, probably got breakfast waiting for you, and everybody has service to do. We could sit here all day. This Bhagavatam is, we could, you know, I mean, we haven't even scratched it, you see. I'm thinking, you know, we should almost uh, have a, you know, like three days to get through a verse or whatever, a week, you know, one verse per week in this beginning of this Bhagavatam, but let's do what we, we'll do, you know, and if we, you know, uh, if we want to get together uh, later on, you know, and discuss it, then we'll do that. Perhaps tonight. What do you think about that for Bhagavatam class tonight? Do you want to? What do you think? Let's let's get back into this very verse, okay? Because I mean, I don't feel like we even touched the purport. We didn't even come close. <laughs> you know, we're being thrown into an ocean of transcendental knowledge. <laughs> we can take us forever. You know. The first board had, had a lot of meaning. Well, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So if you like, you can start with number one. You know. So, all right. All glories to Shumakar. Yeah,